0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 260th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the only content creators that will never have to worry about whether Watsy is going to pay us to preview a card. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen at Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Good evening, James. Good evening, everyone. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing all sorts of valuable information with all of you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs
0: Chat on Discord and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering, single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast, and I'm sure they would love to take your Christmas gift dollars as you shove them through the mail system sideways and have them arrive in mid-January.
1: Uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> I know uh, I as far as the delay in shipping, I was experiencing that some myself this week with some people asking whether or not, why the cards hadn't shown up yet. And it's like, mm, I think the post office is just running slow, man. And I saw Jason complaining about it too. So it seems like it's an issue for, Still
0: across the board here. Canada Post announced that they hired 4,000 seasonal workers. (laughs) So in context up here, that's a lot. And they're still pretty swamped. So I would imagine (laughs) anything I'm trying to ship to the U.S. to clients down there is going to get stuck on both sides of the border. And it will be lucky to land before January.
1: I was going to say, I'm like, I'm not sure how much to think about 4,000 in the scope of canada like what is the population of canada
0: 30 million it's about 10 times less than the u.s it's like 34 or something now new york so 30 million people live in
1: canada and new york state has 20 million yeah (laughs) uh but then again like yeah at the same time new york has more population than like nine states combined
0: I'm fairly, uh, I'm fairly convinced like california has 39 million people so canada and california have roughly the same population uh i'm convinced we're going to be a state of the u.s before my daughter reaches senior citizenship so or or we will end up some kind of amalgamated eu type scenario where we have passports that allow us to cross borders
1: oh you guys you're at almost you're at 38 million yeah so all right a Not good 25 percent yeah. more um yeah, I yeah, I mean uh, another state. If they won't give Puerto Rico and D.C. statehood, I don't know if they're giving Canada statehood. But uh, well, I mean, we are.
0: They, we have... first of all Puerto Rico. They already have everything they want from those territories. Right. Canada, you give state you give statehood because you want everything that you're going to need from us in the next fifty years, starting with a moderate climate compared right. to what your south is going to be like. All the water in the world and most of the trees nature and unused land so
1: well the uh as far as the id thing goes they have that new york has like the real id or something like that that's effectively a passport for
0: canadian back and forth they're all hyped about it <clears throat> right up until covid yeah we have friends that have their nexus passes which lets them breeze through the border yeah, um, But it's a little different. Not quite the same thing as in the European Union where you're pat- you can just basically go work wherever you want. Take a job from you know, France to Germany or whatever and waltz on over.
1: Yeah, there's probably like three places in the country where that would matter. But uh, Buffalo is one of them with Toronto so close.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's talk about Magic. Uh, we have a show in four segments this week. Segment one, our metagame week in review. Segment two, our top movers. We've got paper cards and then digital cards. Segment three are paper cards to watch, some stuff you and I think has a positive outlook in life. And segment four, topic of the week. Uh, should Wizards of the Coast be paying content creators to provide previews um, or to do previews, however you want to phrase that? So let's start out here. Uh, the MTGO metagame Week in Review jumping in on Pioneer. I see we've got Eye Control taking first and fourth with some... DASA's Intervention and Sharknado's.
0: Yeah, Sh- Shark Typhoon has been all over the place, all year long. Um, fairly convinced that card's going to end up, just the regular version, is probably going to end up on a uh, cards-to-watch list in the very near future. And I Control just looks very well positioned in, in Pioneer right now. It's got all sorts of tools to work with. They've got Wilderness Reclamation, they've got Uro, they've got a bunch of different counterspell options. They have uh, Abrupt Decays, Fatal Pushes, uh, Opt, Negate, Heartless Act. They've got Castle Lockthrain and Vantress to scry or draw cards. If their game runs a little real short in the, uh, in the action department, it's uh, just a real solid shell that's going to continue to probably mi- mix and match pieces as new... You know, excellent control spells are published, but I don't see it going anywhere.
1: Yeah, every format's going to have their sort of three-color control deck that hangs out and and just adapts to the metagame, and so far it looks like it's going to be Salt High and Pioneer. A lot of but, different
0: tools they have available to them. The main adaptation here that caught my interest was the 4 Thassa's Intervention, a card that was flagged as being a potentially good just general EDH or cube card early on when it was de- be- debuted uh january of this year but haven't really seen it make much of uh, a splash and constructed outside of the occasional standard deck running it so seeing it you know take a first spot in a challenge on magic online is a bit of a flag uh, a card worth watching for sure and i'll talk about it more during cards to watch
1: oh okay something to look forward to um i see some Jeskai Yorion control another familiar beat uh some burn a bunch more omnath um so a fairly i think uh, familiar top eight here in pioneer at the moment anyways
0: no super super new archetypes here i think the probably the uh the most notable uh deck in the top eight is the eighth place deck Jeskai control yes but not a Yorion deck quite specifically a Jeskai Planeswalker deck without Yorion. So this is a whole pile of Planeswalkers too. 17 Planeswalkers, two Chandra Torch of Defiance and Elspeth Sons Champion, Gideon of the Trials, Jace Architect of Thought, four Narset Parter of Veils, two Teferi Hero of Dominaria, one Teferi Master of Time and four Teferi Time Raveler, three Fae of Wishes, three Deafening Clarion, three Supreme Verdict, two Heart of Kiran two Detention Sphere and four Fires of Invention. So you basically have 17 Planeswalkers, A bunch of sweepers, uh, a fave wishes to go get uh, a card from your sideboard that you might need, and then fires of invention to let you cast two Planeswalkers a turn. And I wonder if part of the strategy here is that with so many Planeswalkers, you start to overwhelm the Tail's End that are doing well in the Soul Control decks.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean... In the same way that aggro decks can succeed by overwhelming their opponents' removal spells, this seems to kind of strike a similar thought of like we're just you you can only remove so many of these at any given time, and let's just you know put you to the limit. Uh, it doesn't have to be the first planeswalker that wins; it can be the the fourth one.
0: Well, you can only counter so many planeswalkers with Tail's End, and and then getting to run Supreme Verdict format full of creatures if you don't have any is certainly nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, having access to a sweeper like that is
0: always uh, welcome if you can get away with it. Yeah, they can't fastest uh, intervention that one. So, yeah, Pioneer is looking, you know, not super, not ultra diverse, not nearly as diverse as Modern is. We're seeing the same six, seven, eight shells kind of week in, week out, but there are variations going on. Over in Modern, we got Meme Decks taking first place paladin hammer in first this is the deck with uh forgiver of runes pure steel paladin stoneforge mystic and Sigarda's aid all as four ofs in the deck and it's built around the uh colossus hammer is that the card Col- uh, colossus hammer yes, yes. so it's so a one casting cost artifact uh equipment gives a creature plus 10 plus 10 but they lose flying and the trick here is that it takes eight to equip it but only one to put it into play Except with Cigar Aid, you can go and Steelshaper's Gift. Uh, Steelshaper's Gift lets you go pull the equipment out of your library, and then Cigardis Aid uh, lets you cast Equipment as though it had Flash. And if Equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you get to attach it for free.
1: Yeah, so you're basically for one mana to search it up, and then one mana. Two Sigarda's Aid and one mana to Colossus Hammer. So for two cards and three mana, you've
0: given a creature 10 10 in negative flying. Yeah, and they play Memnites and Ornithopters, so they get the creatures to equip for free and they can hold them in hand until it's time to deal, you know, get rolling. Play them the turn yeah. before if they expect not to be interrupted. Uh, and then they've got Giver of Runes to provide protection to the creature. So if they go to equip, their ornithopter and you've got the kill spell in hand they counter with giver of runes so then you're in that situation as people have been in with mother for you know 20 years where you got to deal with mother before you kill the creature that really matters
1: yeah and the the thing here is we were talking about sigarda's aid, but you know Pure the paladin is in here as well you know that's kind of what the deck is named for so you get to Oh, if you have Metalcraft, equip stuff for free too and the hammer is one artifact to begin with. So you play your Mem Knight, you put the hammer into play that you want to equip to it, and you only need one more artifact right there to get the ball rolling. Yep, yep, yep. How's the rest of this top eight looking? Well, we got that Black Raid mid-range deck that I kind of continue to be... continues to surprise me that uh, it is good enough to show up week after week. Uh, something... A Death Shadow deck in third, that's what we're looking that's at. That's Shadow did, Scourge, uh, like Scourge of the, Scourge the Conclave.
0: Yeah, Scourge of the Sky. Yeah. Uh, so, the Blackbird midrange deck, people... has got our Discord buzzing about Magmatic Channeler again, because it just keeps showing up over and over and over again. And it's... You know, you're not the only one who is skeptical about whether these kind of midrange Jundi decks that run the Channeler and the Tarmogoyf slot and Dish the Green um, are going to still be around by the time paper resumes but i'll tell you that certainly if they are uh then these people that picked up chandler foil extended arts at i think two or three dollars four dollars picked up some somebody in the discord said they picked up dozens of copies of the foil regular like pack foils for 50 cents each or something it's a Mm -hmm. dirt cheap card in its current scenario because it's not really an edh card so it does need to still be there in paper when when the time comes But it's a low-cost, high-reward waiting game to go in on that card. Well, the
1: extent that our foils are still only a couple dollars, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, so I agree. It's an interesting card. It's a very tempting spec, but it's, you know, how long is it going to be before people are willing, are able to sit down and play this on Moss at card tables? And, you know, it's a deck still going to be good then. And of course, is the deck good now is another fair question. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, if you've been around for a while, uh, people have been trying to make Black Red mid-range work in Modern for as many years as Modern has existed. Uh, so this is not not new territory in theme, uh, and it has rarely been successful, which is kind of why I, you know, I'm a little skeptical here. This is just kind of Maybe people letting anything go because it's online only and whatever. It's COVID. I'm going to play
0: Croxa and no one can stop me. Uh, will it be good enough when people are at real tables? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe So not. speaking of Croxa, I flagged that in the Discord this afternoon because foil extended art, single copy near mint left on TCG for Croxa. at 80 bucks, and then boom, somebody snapped it off from the Discord. Now there are zero. There's some LP copies left, maybe six or seven, but this card is headed for hundred dollars plus basically is already there because it just don't exist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i made my own play on the black red red uh, shadow scourge deck um scourge of the Scon- S- <laughs> scourge of the skyclave <laughs> <laughs> between skyclave apparition and scourge of the skyclave i am constantly tongue twisted uh so yeah scourge i picked up 18 more copies of the foil extended art between 13 and $18 this afternoon, pushing the price basically up to 19 plus on TCG player because it just makes no sense to me. If this was a rare, then the price would be about correct, given how long it's going to be before people can play paper. But as a mythic foil extended art that has to... where everybody plays four if they play any at all, despite the fact that it is also a one-trick pony that relies heavily on this still being a deck in modern... Stack is powerful enough and has been consistent enough this fall that there's a pretty decent chance it's still going to be around in six months. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose so at this point. For that long, at least. I mean, given a, my guess is that a year out, those foil extended arts are at least $50. And if the deck is a force to be reckoned with, the top eights or wins some major events when the re- those events return, then it could easily be $100 plus. I mean, if Croc's, can be $100 plus, this can definitely be $100 plus. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it is worth noting that the print runs of the Zendikar collector boosters are definitely the highest we've seen. Uh but there's also 20 mythics in that set. So that does counterbalance it a bit cuz most sets have 15. Uh five five of them of course are the mythic DFCs. Um and net net I still pr- feel pretty good about that pickup because it's a very powerful powerful creature they don't print creatures at that level of power all that often you know you get five six of them a year or something like that and they tend to be fairly different animals that you know you got, you got your omnaths and your uros your croxes your magmatic channelers and your scourge of the skyclave skyclave apparition comes to mind fast oracle you know those are probably some of the mm-hmm. best creatures of the year and all of those fulfill very different rules uh, yeah, I mean, any of
1: these sort of semi staple full art, you know, staple semi staple full art foils seem like they've got a pretty good timeline, you know, uh, horizons for them uh, on a long enough timeline. It's just a question of whether you're going to
0: hang in there long enough and whether it's worth getting in at this point. The, the beauty of I, this is that a year ago, we had no data. We were at the, you know, post L drain. All the conversations we were having about foil extended arts were theoretical. There was no timeline behind us by, you know, no rear view mirror to look in to see how things were going to go. But our, the Pro traders are starting to compile pretty solid data about what happens at the top five or ten foil extended art mythics and rares out of any given set. Taking into consideration some variations and formulation of the collector boosters. But overall, the story is very consistent. The best cards are going to go through the roof. It's, it's not super complicated. Yeah. 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 Um, so, wrapping okay. up this modern challenge top eight from December 14th, got four color Uro and Omnath in fourth and sixth. Nothing super new or exciting there. Prowess Burn in fifth. You got Blue Black Mill top eighting back to back week after week over and over again this time they're back to not using glimpse the unthinkable and i think they had four soul scarred lantern in the main so worried about graveyard shenanigans more than usual um so they ditched some of the mill cards to target that and then oops all spells an eighth using yeah. the 20 plus uh mythic flip cards from xenogar rising
1: uh another deck that is probably got some under costed cards
0: should it still be live come real magic two things counting against that deck when paper magic returns one those kind of decks tend to have fairly niche audiences uh two it's gonna be real expensive if it's good (laughs) like if this if this thing is a top eight capable deck on any given sunday in 2022 and 2023 that deck's going to get hella expensive because it's nothing but mythics that is
1: a i agree a real threat um i don't know if we've had a deck that expensive in a while jund was jund Uh, was
0: a two thousand dollar deck at one point
1: yeah it was and wizards was okay with it and i guess it I don't remember how many people. It didn't feel like it stopped people from playing it, so it's it's unfortunate, but I'm not sure it'll matter. Um, <clears throat> now, this being a very specific combo deck, deck instead of a 55% skill testing mid range deck, could change the math a little bit in terms of what they're interested in having float around, uh, but it's hard to say for sure. That's a Conversation that Wizards is just not really interested in getting into at the moment. Well, there
0: there like, is one know. angle I missed there with that that off the cuff analysis, and that's that the deck doesn't have to worry about a traditional mana base from Modern. It's not running Shocks or Fetches. It doesn't run any of those. It only runs the the Mythic flip lands and some rare and uncommon flip lands, all of which are pretty much from Zendikar Rising. <laughs> so if you open a lot of ZNR, you might already have most of this deck sitting around. Um, But maybe it's not that expensive after all because of not needing the mana base, which tends to be a big chunk of why decks, you know, like when you had to have Misty Rainforest or Scalding Turns in your deck and they were pushing a hundred bucks, that was a big chunk of why your modern deck was expensive. You don't have to have any of those. And, you know, even if these these Mythics got up to 30 bucks a piece, you're still looking at six or seven hundred bucks, which isn't that bad in the context of a modern deck.
1: No, yeah, I guess I would have to sit there and look at what this would actually look like when you put pen to paper, uh, if it would be bad or not, all things considered. All right,
0: so moving on over to the top paper movers of the week. Um, start off with a little uh, combination, pat on the back slash shill, whatever you want to do, <laughs> invitation to pro trader, however you want to look at it. A variety of uh, adjectives yeah. there, some a little more rewarding than others. Yeah, pick your angle. Uh, Crucible of Worlds first edition boxes are from a a new TCG product called Flesh and Blood that has been taking the uh, eBay collector world by storm over the last 6 to 12 months. It's out of New Zealand. Game is apparently pretty good. Channel Fireball set up a whole content stream to support it and bought a bunch of product to, uh, consequently, or probably one drove the other, I would imagine. And it's a weird bubble slash greatest game ever depending on who you talk to on the basis that this whole game has essentially launched into covid so Mm -hmm. whereas for two weeks in march you and i were refusing to name cards to watch because we were scared we were going to lead people astray when they needed all their their funds available to them here we have a game that is supposedly good to play but who would really know because most of the people that are holding the product have never actually played the game (laughs) and
1: so Flash and Blood is a new game that was released in the middle. I, I feel like I read a tweet about this the other day, back in like February or March. Is it, and is it a TCG specifically?
0: Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's okay. a TCG. Uh, the, the mechanics of which have been lauded as being solid. It's a good game, apparently. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> <you> can... <laughs> lauded as solid is kind of a mismatch, <laughs> mismatch in, in terms. Sure. So the bottom line is this. There, there are, the way that they have approached releasing product is very smart given their target audience. They have said they have made a distinction between first edition and unlimited versions of each set they put out. So if you catch the first wave of the set, there is a special version of foils that only appears in those boxes called cold foils. And it uses a different foiling process than anything we've seen in magic magic so far. And they're very, they're very pretty. And some of those cards are going for a couple thousand bucks already. and some of the boxes are going for a couple thousand bucks like first and second uh set first editions are going for 1600 1800 probably going to push over 2000 if they haven't already uh it's quite ridiculous for a game that again is owned more than it's played and so they put out a new set that i think came out august was the original release date august september in north america and just came out in europe and we set up a deal for the pro traders for our group buy program um, to pick up cases, which is in this case, sub cases are four boxes a piece uh, at eighty dollars a box, so three twenty a case. And we have reports rolling in in the Discord of people selling those cases for like twelve hundred dollars, thousand to twelve hundred dollars. So getting even if they're getting two hundred dollars a box, you're still talking about being something like eight hundred minus shipping subtract your 320 you're still going to clear over 400 450 maybe even more if these things keep pushing higher and start to approach you know even at five or six hundred dollars it's just going to be a completely ridiculous win for some of the pro traders that got in on this and keep in mind that a year of pro trader is 80 dollars. so if you bought one of these boxes from through our program you would have justified hanging out in our discord for the year that is uh pretty ridiculous so anyway Come check out it, ProTrader. It's fun times. Now, on to the paper movers of the week. Final Fortune out of 6th edition, non-foils 18 to 26, 7, 8, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Obeka keeps pushing basically every version of Final Fortune up the curve, since it's still one of the most popular commanders out of Commander Legends. We've got... I I was just saying,
1: I read um, a EDH favorite uh, on twitter recently who was saying that obeka seemed to be the new hotness but suffers from the problem um not 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 the same issue that i have outlined before but rather just if if it's like kind of like a 10 or a zero um but essentially not being fun
0: in casual environments right so there's some chance that it'll slide off the radar as people play with it and realize it's not all that enjoyable
1: yeah i it just feels i guess it was just another bullet point another data point for my concern that that deck Probably doesn't have the staying power that other strategies might. It
0: really needs, you know, you have to have enough uh, tools in the toolbox of varying power levels, given the nature of the commander in question, to be able to tune it to the level that makes sense for your group. And if mm-hmm. and if you have a bunch of Final Fortune clones, but if you ditch them. Then you don't have much else to work with. Then you got problems. So yeah. I, I haven't looked at taken a close look at how those decks are being built yet. But I do mostly because I intend to build Obekin. I like I like the process of exploring it for myself through the process of just scrolling through cards in my boxes and binders and seeing what I find. But I but right. I suspect it's going to be one of those builds where you're going to be like you're going to have to go through a thousand cards to find one thing that works.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a specific strategy mm-hmm. feels like you know i could go and look at my edh binder and find like two cards that screamed oh Becca. but it's not going to be like some of these other strategies where you kind of flip through and go oh that works oh that's kind of cool too oh i didn't think about that like i you're not going to get that experience with her i don't think
0: she's also fallen off the top five uh on edh rack in the last week current top five is golos uh around me, uh, Thrasios, uh, back in the front of people's minds with all the partner options that you can build. With. I mean, Thrasios is busted even if he didn't have partner, is the thing. So adding partners <laughs> is just giving you access to other colors and backup plans if they keep killing Thrasios. Sakashima of mm-hmm. the Thousand Faces I called out as being... A hot, pretty hot spec given that it fits in the 99 and here it's making the top five as a commander so a card that is going to be in a bunch of decks and be a commander and has a foil etched version which is the rarest of all the foil etched the mythic the new mythic etched is the rarest of the etched because they all the reprints are also labeled as mythics but they're much more common than the new mythic etched so Sakashima's is, is probably going to push higher uh sooner rather than later Especially since there is a dearth of product uh, for Commander Legends collector boosters. Like, I keep expecting somebody to ping my inbox with an offer to sell us a bunch, which should signal some kind of restocking from the distributor level. Nothing. Nada. Not here, not Europe, not Japan, not nothing. Nobody has this product that is willing to sell it. Now, I personally believe that some of it's being held back at the distributor level with their intent to sell it into an even higher price point and there are probably vendors that have stashed them away but there just doesn't seem to be a window of opportunity here for window for wizards to drop this product into the market because keep in mind they're already in the cal time hype cycle so Mm -hmm. anything they drop into the into the market right now a it's getting dropped into the holiday season where some portion of it might be picked up as gifts but some People might ignore it because they're already spent out on on gifts, and it's a tough year to, in terms of, you know how tight cash is for folks anyway. And then we're heading into the consumer credit crunch, where Magic basically falls off a cliff in early January, and then towards the end of January they're building up this hype now for time So, and we're hearing that Kaldheim, um well, that's a whole nother topic. We'll get into Kaldheim towards the end of the show, I suppose. But the bottom line is that Kaldheim competes with whatever else they want to shove through the hole. So my guess is that there's got to be something that will come through the pipeline within the next four to six weeks. But it might only be 15% of the original release or something. It might be 20% of it. 25 at maximum would be my guess. And that's just going to get swallowed instantly. Hey, I was pretty gung-ho for some of
1: the collector booster stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you were cautioning a little, you were advising a little more caution than I was, uh, eager to engage with. And I slowed down a little bit, uh, on your concern that the additional product was coming, but it does, like you said, it continues to not be, it seemed like there's a lot of it left in the pipe here. Um, and, you know, we're, we're missing that internal narrative from Wizards, you know, to, to hear what they actually think about how this is playing out. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're just sitting around annoyed that they had this awesome product and they couldn't wait to put it in people's hands and COVID just screwed it all up. And now they're going to release a quarter of what they had planned There's on. There's
0: complicating factors, too. There's a lot of people complaining about the how quickly yeah. the pack foils, foil extended art foils... Uh, well, I guess foil extended art is foil by nature. So foil extended arts um, are curling coming out of those packs. And indeed, I think a large part of it is that we're in a very dry portion of the year in a lot of areas of North America. Um, but there's no denying that the, this product cur- the foil versions in this product curl much faster than most other products released this year. And we have seen this problem in the past. I do advise that anybody who's picking uh, Commander Legends collector booster cards up puts them in like double sleeves them and puts them in a, in a top loader right away. Like that's what I did to all of mine so that I could make sure they were actually saleable inventory. But I guarantee you that mm-hmm. at some point I'm going to ship somebody one that's as flat as it could possibly be. They're going to take it out, leave it on their desk, forget to put it in, and then they're going to complain to me that it turned into a Pringle. Well, it was your fault. Yeah, it's my fault. Um, and, <laughs> and that... Complaint is making the rounds pretty heavily in social, so that could easily scare people off from buying this product in much the same way that you know certain sets have been known to have kind of shitty foils, mirrored and block, um, or you know uh, their foils are chipped. We saw that with Zendikar Expeditions to an extent. We saw that with uh, Modern Masters 2015 when they tried the cardboard packaging uh, mm-hmm. that tended to chew up cards that was inside it. So. You know, this kind of thing can warn people off of versions of cards. Now, I'm of the opinion that there's enough hotness in this set that for a lot of people it's not going to (laughs) matter. I don't think people are going to not buy a foil extended art opposition agent or hull breacher if the price is right in the face of all this. And frankly, if you sleeve them properly and you have a humidity controlled environment or just a relatively neutral humidity that matches the factory, your cards aren't going to curl that much anyway. Um, but I certainly wouldn't be leaving them lying around. And I I can tell you that the demand is out there. Like, people are hungry. To the extent that I cracked five boxes of German uh, collector boosters last week and unloaded $450 worth of cards out of them, no problem, without even breathing hard. Just a single post in our Discord, single post on Twitter. Inbox was flooded. Lots of people asking for the same kinds of things. Our German foil extended art. Arcane Signet, Soul Ring, you know, Fyndhorn Elves, A Braid, uh, Thought Vessel, all these, like, iconic cards. And I think, like, when you talk about foreign and you criticize foreign cards for not selling, we've always talked about how there's this, you know, curve of recognition. The more iconic the card and the art is, or the simpler the card is, the less it matters whether it's in a foreign edition because people have memorized what the card does nobody wants to table yeah. a bunch of like 20 year old cards that nobody's played with before that have like you wouldn't want to play port martin Stronghold German, but yeah like <laughs> portuguese ice age dot deck is probably not where you want to be <laughs> with a new edh group that's never seen your deck before that's just silly but because you're gonna have to have hand out a 50 page guide to everybody but if you table a soul ring for Alexander senator german Nobody's going <laughs> to have any trouble with what that card is. So, I mean, with people out there having... First of all, you can't really get product from Japan. The Japanese boxes were pushing 300 plus anyway. Haruyi is not shipping to the US or Canada currently. And the English product is nearly sold out. I mean, I almost any version of these cards will sell. Like, I, I almost considered picking up cheap French boxes because they exist even though nobody knows that. And was like, "Ah, I won't go that far." But you know, the foil etched cards, I've noticed, don't curl as much. So you can you're going to be a lot safer ordering a Timna or a Thrasios or a Krark or whatever because the treatment on those is more stable and just doesn't doesn't it's a, I think it's a thicker treatment uh and on the foiled side so it just doesn't allow for as much curling it kind of holds shape better um i I wouldn't Mm -hmm. leave them out permanently but i put i put them in penny sleeves and they were fine like a week later they still look great um and then the regular extended arts don't curl at all they they have a very matte treatment to them and they seem to just kind of be immune to curling well They shouldn't curl anyways, right? If we're talking about a non-foil card. Non-foil cards should never Well, we have seen sets, though, that had a lot of curl to them. They just felt flimsier. Um, Iconic Masters comes to mind as a set. Note that I said shouldn't curl. Iconic Masters, (laughs) though, does come to mind as a set that had that problem as well. Um, Hmm. So anyway. I don't know if I had that many IMA
1: cards in my hand, so it's hard for me to... I don't have a sense for it. A
0: long-winded way of commenting on Final Fortune 6th edition. 17 digressions Uh, later yeah it'll be uh i'm watching the commander legends product
1: closely and i'm keeping an eye on our our group discussions of it here because if it turns out that it doesn't seem like there's any more in the pipe i have a feeling that stuff could end up being a essentially a pain point for not only wizards but the community in general in eight months when or you know a year to two when the narrative is going around that wizards short printed commander legends even though it was supposed to be very available and they don't care about us and it's going to be a profess video on talarian academy's youtube channel cuz wizards isn't reprinting commander legends cards blah blah blah. Well, here's the thing, commander uh, legends
0: regular boosters, those are fine. You can you can find them all over the place. They they don't seem and, and yeah. it's a that is a print to demand product. In fact, I answered a question in the discord today cuz somebody was confused Because they were under the impression that the entire product line for Commander Legends was print-to-demand. But that's, as far as I know, not the case. The regular booster boxes are print-to-demand. So they'll keep them in print like Jumpstart for as long as they think that they can move them. But as with Jumpstart, subsequent waves of that will still be smaller and smaller and then fall off a cliff. Like we saw with Modern Horizons, which was in theory in print for a year, but really seemed to go out of print about six months There might have been one subsequent printing of Modern Horizons and that was it. And then the rest has just been that product filtering through the distribution pipeline. I suspect Mm -hmm. similar things will happen with Commander Legends. So nobody can really say that Commander Legends doesn't offer reprints because you can get them in Commander Legends boxes. But the real fancy versions in the collector boosters, those are going to be hard to come by. And given the depth of the high demand cards in that set... Whoa, boy! Some of this stuff could be real. Like, <laughs> I think it's gonna be hard to go wrong with a broad swath of foil extended arts picked up at market lows from that set. Let's put it that way.
1: I guess that's true because I I'm thinking of it in terms of the most premium stuff. But if that's not what you're necessarily after, it might not be a problem, um, which is good because it means for the average person, you know, they can go get a opposition agent for six bucks or whatever, and a year from now and you know they can't really complain about it it's just the extended art foil might be 250
0: bucks i'll tell you so a couple of the things that i pulled were uh, led me to the understanding that this set is especially sexy in other languages like for instance in german was really digging i pulled two foil extended art german vampiric tutors back back to back totally disgusting like i don't know what the odds were on that but it was silly silly low um those demonic and angelic cards just work so well in German. Like I pulled a, rock, a Rakdos, which is not a big big deal card, but it looked it was super cool in German. And all the the angels, like uh, the etched uh, Sarah in foil and a chroma. Uh, the, those are just so sweet when you have 40 extra syllables attached to them. <laughs>
1: yeah and the fact that you know what they do ahead of time helps as well
0: so anyway city of brass arabian nights uh in theory going from 425 to 650 and indeed that's about the lowest you can get it for on ebay um this card is especially near and dear to my heart because my father gave me a copy for christmas three or four years ago when it was worth about 200 bucks and i was like gee dad that was a thoughtful and relatively pricey gift thanks much and here we have it supposedly being worth triple (laughs) what it was when he gave it to me so even better all right I'm gonna level. That's that's a slightly odd gift. I mean, we give each other magic gifts like all the time, so I suppose I'm
1: does it hold some special significance? Did you need a city of brass? No No, or something? I think he just
0: had a stack of like of reserve list cards he bought, and he probably bought extra copies or something and shunted one off on me. But I'm certainly not gonna look that gift horse well, in the mouth given that it's tripled up since then. Right, that
1: makes it even funnier, that, because it's not like he did it on purpose. He's like, here's an expensive magic card I will give my son. That's fine. Here's an expensive magic card I will give my adult son.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been playing magic together since, like, I was 20 and he was 40, right? So the we go way back in magic together, and I've given him infinite amounts of magic gifts.
1: Well, I, okay, so I guess the fact that you guys play together
0: changes the equation a little bit, and then it's more of a father-son yeah. thing. It's, it's a bonding point so I mean even though even though it wasn't the the most thoughtful specific gift I'm again I don't complain about gifts that triple up.
1: well sure 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 uh, were you know it's just I guess I have sort of a different take on gifts sometimes first of all i I look at gift giving as an act of aggression <laughs> uh, I don't I don't like gifts uh, <laughs> but I, I think I rather I think that they are best when unprompted. Like I if agree. you see something, if, you, if you're just out and about and you see something and you're like, you know, this person would really enjoy that. Like that's an appropriate time to gift. I hate stuff like Valentine's day and Christmas where it's like, you have to get something for all these people. And it's like, it just feels like I have a gun to my head. This isn't enjoyable, but that's beside the point. Um, we're doing a secret Santa gift exchange in my, you know, my social circle here of about 12 or 13 people. And uh, we set it up through one of these platforms. I think that this one is Elfster and it has a wish list functionality. So you can go and write down what it is that you want, like, you know, things that you have your heart set on, which, and our, my friends are using it and that really rankled me. I'm like, knock it off. Don't use the wish list function here. If I wanted to go buy one of you, like a rice cooker or, you know, kitchen gloves or whatever beer like i you can go do that yourself right like all of you are capable of shopping for yourself the whole point of this is that like i'm gonna get my friend joe and i have to rely on my relationship with joe to try and come up with something fun and amusing for us like it's not there's nothing interesting about this if joe just tells me he wants this twenty dollar bottle of beer uh i i so i tend to approach gift giving as you know as a much more, much less about the object, I should say. Sure. I didn't really need the soapbox that, but whatever. We were here. <laughs> uh, Radiant Archangel out of, you have know, this is URL. Versus Legacy? Versus Legacy? Yeah. Isn't that, that's not URL, What is right?
0: it?
1: It might just be UL. Okay. In any case, it's 20 something to 40, low 20 to low 40 for
0: about a double up. Uh, Wait, when I first saw this, I assumed it was a foil, and I thought it was a mistake because I thought the foils were more. And then I realized this is just the non-foil, and then realized they've only ever printed this card once, and it's not a big deal card or anything. But it's a single printing card, and is it also reserve list?
1: Uh, it might be. It's Urza's Legacy. Urza's Legacy was the first set after Reserve List, I believe. It is. Oh, it is Reserve List. It is Reserve List. Yeah. I fi- it's Urza's destiny post-reserve list it's not a good card but it is a very old angel with one printing and it's not getting another one
0: yeah and if you're buying if you're building some like blue white flyers type nonsense in edh at like a six or seven level then this fits right in there
1: foils are 80 bucks well so i take that back market price foil is 80 but the cheapest copy is 160
0: yeah it's a it's a three three angel that that has vigilance and gets plus one plus one for each other flyer you have for five, not exactly a high power level card.
1: <laughs> no, but a foil reserve list angel. No, no that non-foil is... reserve list. Oh, well, I'm. Uh, uh, yes, you're correct. The the one that we're talking about here. The I was also looking. At it,
0: foil. it does have foils, and they are very pricey. If I recall, hundreds of dollars.
1: That's what I was just saying. The market price is eighty, but the low TCG low is. Uh, uh-huh, 150 160 or something
0: sure. uh elvish promenade from Lorwyn. uh foils from 8 to 17 probably a loose pick from people that noted there is a strong elves theme in call time apparently we're getting green elves and black elves um, led me to wonder whether they would print elves of deep shadow into the current standard slash pioneer environment uh elves
1: of deep shadow for the uh is a one mana one one taps for black green creature but it taps yeah only taps for black and deals damage to you as well i think that's probably playable or let me rephrase that probably printable i don't think of that as being the same stripe as land of war elves land of war elves and elvish mystic definitely uh you know if they were costing you a life every time that would be a quarter of your life total probably fairly quickly Right, if you tap that for mana, if you play it on turn one and you play it every single turn, you've paid, you've paid a quarter of your life. But turn six, like that's not insignificant, especially if you're playing against a burn deck, and if it's making off-color mana, like off-color mana is better than on-color mana. But uh, in any case, I think that that is printable.
0: Uh, Tails end foils out of M twenty was my pick on September eighth of this year to go from three to ten dollars. We're gonna call that a win because it went from five to thirteen this week. I'll take it. You can take it. It's good. Oh, and then wrapping me. things up on the top paper movers, Sarah Avatar JSS. JSS is Junior Super Series. There used to be a tournament series that was aimed at people sub-16, I believe it was. And I'm sure that doesn't exist anymore for legal reasons, but back in the day, these were hard to come by, and people thought this was a good card. Um, it's not, but these foils are pretty, and they're old border, if I recall correctly. So, anyway, these are supposedly gone from 13 to 34, and there will never be any more of these.
1: This, if I... The JSS used the uh, special printing. Um, I'm looking right now. I don't think... <coughs> several JSS cards use Starburst foil, but it would appear that the Sarah avatars did not. They used the normal foil. Okay. Which is good, because that Starburst foil is awful if you've ever seen one of those before. Over in our top MTGO movers, we have a couple options, including one that brought up a, an interesting deck we were talking about. Uh, the first card on the list is Tail's End, again, um, is from that mid-range Saltai deck uh, out of M20. So $2 and change to $4 and change. So hit both paper and digital this week. Um, Monastery Swift Spear, non foils 250 to 4 and change uh, from the Modern Prowess Burn deck. Lotus Field out of M20, uh, 370 to just under $7 from the Lotus Field combo in Pioneer. And then the one that caught our attention was Arc Light Phoenix from $2 to 450, so 133% gain, a nice chunk there. But this is part of a new Buried Alive Legacy deck. Uh, that uses like Dark Ritual to push the buried ritual out quickly into the Arclight Phoenix and it's got a doomsday transitional sideboard, transformational sideboard. So that's a, a fun
0: little strategy there. Um this deck also has three Dreadhorde Arcanist and three opposition no, agents. Yeah. So it's just this this deck is full of specs.
1: The opposition agents in Legacy is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Nasty. Alright.
1: So well, let's move on to segment three, our cards to watch. We'll talk about some stuff that we
0: think might serve you guys well in the future. Uh, do you want to get us started? Thassa's intervention, Foil Extended Arts, on the basis of it winning that Pioneer Challenge and theoretically being a control staple in Pioneer, um as a four of you can currently get these at about five or six bucks depending on where you're picking them up not much cheaper in europe surprisingly uh i would call this to go six to 15 within the year um yes paper magic will not rejoin anytime soon six months is your best bet to get back into lgs's and really only in areas with high uh vaccination rates would be my guess Um, however it's already it's a moderately popular card in EDH it's on 3,000 decks so far in EDH within the year that's pretty solid not amazing but solid Uh, and it's also a really good cube card and if a card is really good in cube then foil extended arts will have a home there as well inventory is relatively low which is the most important part and it's got a pretty strong ramp Uh, yes you can get some copies at six but you can't get super deep without getting up over 10 and then getting closer to that 15 point
1: Okay. Uh yeah, I mean obviously the deck or the card has legs in the Pioneer Challenge uh, and Pioneer in general in the Salty control even if that deck evolves between now and uh, tabletop magic making a return, it's still clearly proven that it's capable of hanging in in modern or in pioneer, so it might be fine in that format regardless. Uh, 6 foil, $6 foils is tempting um i like that price point for sure so i know you have a card that's doing decent in edh has a strong pioneer demand at a pretty low price point on foils one
0: of the things i like here is that as long as control is playable and blue is a function of that even if it switches to Bant or esper you could still see this as a four of um you know it could be that this that the, the best control shell shifts over time as new cards emerge and new strategies emerge and they need to combat certain things, but intervention may still be playable regardless of which version is getting played.
1: Yeah, the, both of these modes are a little softer than what players might be used to, but having them both on the same card is so good. Like instant speed card draw uh, or... Counterspell, spell um and reasonable versions like this scale up on both is uh is definitely
0: a legitimate contender there all right looks like you've got a repeat pick from i don't know somewhere in the last year here but I, certainly worth flagging again since it's uh it's a good one i did search the sheet
1: so it's either spelled wrong somewhere or it's been a long time since we found it it, since we called it
0: it was last called episode 221 late may uh, Wow, 20, 25 to 40 so we've we've gotten up five bucks already on it and you're picking it to go to 50 instead of 40 i think you're probably correct card in question is fabro elder foil extended art I searched for this stupid card.
1: Did I I maybe I had a space on the end of my text string so it didn't catch it. Ah,
0: that is so annoying. Um it's been yes. it's still been more than 6 months and you know, I own some of these so and and I had no in, input in whether or not you selected this. No, and
1: I uh I still think it's a good choice now. It was a good choice then. It's a good choice now. Um yeah, Fabro Elder. I was digging through more EDH stats and I was surprised to find that this, at this point in time, is it's in 13,000 EDH track decks. Uh, for comparison, Dry to the Illsian Grove, which was one set later, was in 17,000. Uh, and Dry to the Elysian Grove is mono-green, whereas Fabro is green-white. So, I mean, Green being a green-white card and still at 13 to dry at 17, I think, gives a pretty good sense of the popularity of Fabro. Um, I'm talking about the extended art foils here. Uh, they're at 30 bucks right now. It the, the price bottomed out around twenty-five or thirty dollars several months ago and it's slowly moving up now. There's only twenty-four vendors with any copies, all pretty much ones and twos. And there's only about five available below thirty-five dollars. So you can get one right now for I think just under thirty, maybe thirty-one. Um, but there's not a lot before you get to thirty-five, and then it's you know, a couple copies and you're at 40, and a couple copies and you're at 45. So the supply is on deep. Um, you know, $30 is not the cheapest buy-in, but the demand is very evident here. So if you can get in at 30, I think you can flip these for probably between
0: 50 and 60 sometime in calendar year 2021 and be pretty happy with it. I think this card was originally discussed right when it came out. And I think they were 40 at the time. And I think they Mm -hmm. later got down maybe to 12 to $15 and then recovered pretty steadily from there. And now we're well on our way to hitting the target mark in the 40 to 50 range uh so the, the best opportunity to get in is back down the road but this is not a card i see them reprinting anytime soon it's got that whole um plane specific thing going on uh so and and there's no product in the mix in the foreseeable future right i expect a premium version of this to pop up it could be years on this card to be honest
1: yeah, yeah, especially for a full art foil. like It would have to basically be a reprint in something or other to get that effect. It's not going to happen much. So uh, I agree that the reprint seems
0: very unlikely. So here's a bonus pick. Something I just snapped off in a cart literally while we were talking. Um, Arcane Adaptation foils out of Ixalan. This will be, I'm not going to put this in the sheet. This will just be for the listeners, the people that actually listen to the whole cast <laughs> and don't just look at the uh, cast notes that we post to the Discord. <laughs> Arcane Adaptation Foils. Very low supply on TCG Player, all around $450 to $6 range. This is the blue enchantment for two and a blue that. When it comes to the battlefield, you choose a creature type, and then creatures you control are the chosen type in addition to their other types. Why is this on the radar suddenly? Because there was a Kaldheim reveal today of a fixed birthing pod that basically functions by podding out creatures of the same creature type. And arcane adaptation means all the creatures in your deck are suddenly that type.
1: I think this is solid. Uh, but now it's my turn. I picked this uh, so two thirty six. The pack foils at three dollars. Nice. Yeah, but I I mean I agree with you. Like it was it was in six k EDA truck docks back then. There were only about thirty vendors. Um, it was at the time, Eureka was seeing a bit of a spike in popularity, which raised the profile of this. But I agree that these types of cards uh, are going to be a, a, sort of timeless in. EDH, and without any reprints will do well over time.
0: So the card in question is Pyre of Heroes. Two mana for an artifact, and then two and tap, sack a creature. So keep in mind that Birthing Pod was what, three to put out? Uh, no, it was ended up being two to put out because it had Phyrexian mana in it. It was three and a Phyrexian mana. Is that correct? It was three and four, I believe, but it's been a long time. Birthing Pod. Let me just look that up real quick. I want to say it's, it's three mana and... Iphyrexian mana off the top of my head. That's been banned for so long. Uh, yeah, there was a judge promo just now. Yeah, it's three and Iphyrexian mana. So you cast it for three and then you tap it for one and Iphyrexian mana. And in both cases, you end up paying life because you want to do things quickly. So in this case, you don't have any of those options. You're just casting it for two and two to activate it. Uh, And then you search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with the sacrificed creature and has converted mana cost equal to one plus that creature's converted mana cost. So you sac a 2 casting cost creature, you go get a three, a three to get a four, a four to get a five. If you've got a bunch of combos and they're all in the same tribe, uh, this is going to be a pretty interesting card. It's got open-ended synergies in the deepest tribes. So you're thinking your goblins, your vampires, your merfolk and elves and what have you this is going to end up doing some work long-term in commander. Um, so, so
1: this is a tribal birthing pod.
0: Yeah. I put it on the same level as something like a Ozolith out of Icoria. It's going to be the same kind of target. I'm pretty sure it's a rare, not a mythic and the foil extended arts will get nice and cheap for a while and then give it a year to two years and they'll get up there. Yeah. I, I,
1: for the record, I'm not in love with the idea of the tribal birthing pod. Um, that tribal part of that is very important. But I don't think that that matters all that much for the purposes of talking about arcane adaptation.
0: True. It's a, it's only a... It's a catalyst uh, inflection point, if you will, that may accelerate arcane adaptation just because there's very few of them left as is. It'll, yeah. It's only going to take 20 people to go to make the connection between these two cards and then they're going to be gone. Like, Correct. Like Medina was on twitter advertising this combo earlier and that means he saw it somewhere else and it's been passed all over the place so i would imagine copies of arcane adaptation are draining out as we speak i mean i just bought six so
1: (laughs) (laughs) so it's self-fulfilling prophecy there you go um yeah you know your next card is actually one that i pulled up in my notes before the show i was i was looking at it uh so i see we were both on the same track here this week
0: i mean this is also a repeat i called this way earlier let me just go back and check what the actual call was. I know I picked up a whole... uh, Yeah, so back on episode 210, which was March 11th, uh, called the non-foil version of this to go 18 to 30. That's pretty much already there. Cliff called uh, the... At one point, they had already gotten real high, and Cliff called the... May 26th, he called the foil extended art Nyx Bloom Ancients to go 70 to 120. Uh, as of today, they have, they've gone 70 to 80. They've hollowed out real hard. There's 15 copies left. Start Sorry, not, uh, not 80, 90. They're at 90. So he's already up 20 bucks from his call from, from the late spring. There's only 15 copies left on TCG player. The play here, however, is not by the super expensive foil extended art that we already called before. It's by copies in Europe at 60 bucks and plan to sell them for over 100. Mixed Flame Ancient triples mana. It's, <laughs> it's in 8% of every green deck reported on EDH Rex since it was printed. It's in 10,000 reported decks total. That means there are tens of thousands of people playing with the card zero doubt in my mind that this card that is less than a year old is going to be a hundred dollars plus solidly before it ever sees another premium version
1: yeah uh i am very tempted by this and i was i was trying to find any way to get in on one of the to to be able to talk about it on the cast today um in the arbitrage opportunity certainly puts that on the table i think it's a very popular card that's going to remain popular Um, and i would like to own and really any copies of this seem like they're in pretty good shape
0: i've gone to town on this card with the small japanese vendors this year like every time i'm shopping on a japanese site i've got my short list of if they have it in stock i'll add it to the cart and they have undervalued nix blue mansion all year long for the obvious reasons it's people don't play as much edh there it's a seven mana beefy creature tripling mana doesn't serve much purpose in, in the kinds of decks that tend to be run over there but the price points in this have just been ridiculously low in japan all year long and wherever i can get them i've snapped them off the, i think it was getting foils in the 25 to 40 dollars range at various points i've already sold multiple copies in the 60 to 70 dollars range and that was obviously like honestly almost certainly too early because i think japanese foils of this will end up being 100 to 150 so there's zero reason to rush into selling them at 70
1: yeah i wouldn't i mean i i didn't put them on my list but i could see picking the extended art foils at um 70 or 80 if you can get them for that price mm-hmm.
0: all right so that's that what's your next pick
1: uh, yeah, so I'm following that up with uh, Valka Awakening. I also searched our sheet for this one. So if we picked this somewhere else, then uh, it's not my fault. I don't have to tell you. We, we didn't, uh, but, it,
0: but a user tried to. And they were probably my second or third pick <laughs> after the one we did pick. So go ahead.
1: Well, I, I like it. I like it today. It's uh, the extended art foils are six bucks right now. Um, it's in three three 3,300 EDH truck decks, which is 15% of red decks since this was printed. Uh, it is the fourth most popular uh, card by volume, fourth most popular non-land card by volume out of Zendikar, um, and even the most popular non-land card is at like thousand decks versus this one's 3.3. So it's very narrow margin. So one of the most popular cards out of that set. Um, It's also very constructed playable. We have seen it multiple times in Pioneer um, and I think it probably has shown up in Modern as well. So this card is basically seen multi, is probably playable in all three formats, uh, probably surprisingly, um, to, to a surprising amount in EDH. So with that much demand across the board, um, and extended art foils of six bucks, I think you can get in on these at six-ish at pro- I think you can hit twenty. I really do think you can hit twenty maybe next year.
0: Um I don't think that's uh it's hard to imagine. The only thing working against the foil extended arts from zeneca Rising, as we spoke about earlier, is that it does have the higher print run. But That may just extend the ramp by a few months. And that's, of course, assuming that enough of the product actually gets cracked. I have concerns that you're going to see that there's going to be Zendikar Rising collector boosters pretty dirt cheap over the next few months. Like you might see $170 boxes. I think we had a group buy that got down to $185 recently. And keep in mind that in the spring, you could buy Theros boxes around $145 on eBay at one point. So we know that collector boosters can get down either below or close to ca- vendor cost um, in the right circumstances, and uh, overprinting the product is certainly <laughs> the biggest driving factor. But it's possible that a lot of the, the copies of the foil extended arts from Zendikar Rising end up landlocked inside the sealed product because if people stop buying the boxes thinking... There's no impetus, you know, if, if, for instance, a bunch of pro traders are like, ah, I'll hold off on those, they might be cheaper later, then vendors and distributors get stuck with them and until such time as they either choose to crack them themselves or price them at an even cheaper price. Um, mm-hmm. Having opened, like, I guess 10 in various languages of the Zenicar Rising collector boosters, I can confirm that they're pretty sweet. Like, if you hit decently well on either the two foil expeditions or non-foil expeditions you're gonna have trouble getting too rooked by the rest of it because you're gonna pull a bunch of agonemes awakening Tin turn timber symbiosis some magmatic channelers um you know some omnath showcase is going to show up there a bunch of stuff that has solid long-term growth perspectives even if it feels uh easy to find now so they're They might be overprinted, but they're also very strong collector boosters. That's why they were (laughs) overprinted because Wizards knew that this was probably the best uh, bonus formulation that they had offered. In fact, no other collector boosters had the bonuses in the form of super popular fancy lands. Um, So, uh, I think this gets there. It was going to be a pick on this cast uh, one way or the other. (laughs) And (laughs) I stole it from that guy. I, I don't know if it's six months... Well, I mean, you don't... I'm the one who collects cast uh, member picks. You never even get to see them ahead of the cast, so uh, it's impossible for you to steal one. Um, I do have to be careful. I try to I try to put my three picks in before I solicit from the members, because otherwise they they have the chance of stepping on my toes, and then I have to explain to them that it was actually my pick when it was... You know, the, the timing could be questioned. Uh, anyway, Valaket Awakening is a great card. It makes sense in a ton of different decks and it will get there given time okay uh all right what have you got next i thought this one for sure would have been a repeat but it's not uh nick's lotus foil extended art from theros uh beyond death you can pick these up most cheaply in europe about 17 or so in the u.s it's more like 20 to 22 but if you don't have a europe connection or you're not a pro trader That probably works out just fine because they're already at low inventory. The ramp is strong. It's in 4% of all decks on EDH rec since inception. 9,000 decks reported total. Those are very good numbers for within a year uh, of release. And this thing just fits in a ton of EDH decks. It doesn't fit in every deck because the card is fairly specific in terms of the kind of builds it's going to be good in. If you don't remember the card, it's four mana for a legendary artifact. Comes into the battlefield tapped, but it, if you choose a color, you add an amount of mana of that color equal to your devotion. So if you have a four-color Omnath deck that doesn't tend to have uh, very many pips of the same color in play at the same time, this is not the mana rock for you. But if you're running a one or two-color deck or a three-color deck that is mostly where most of the permanents are of a single color, this thing can generate four, five, six, seven mana in the mid-game.
1: It does seem like the type of card where virtually every two, one or two color decks should be considering it. Um, It might not make the slot in every single one of them, but it at least needs to be given some consideration. Uh, And you know, where it's really going to shine in those games is where you've got a lot going on and you're really getting your groove on, but that's fine. That's fun. That's interesting. And where it's at its worst is where you've had your board wiped. But if, you know, it feels like that's the situation where you probably got mana to spare, so it's not as big of a deal that it's not doing much. Um I like the card for sure. I I feel like I was I liked it when it was spoiled. Um it is it's a touch So four mana and enter the battlefield tapped is obnoxious, but this can tap for a ton of mana. And I think that the Demand is pretty solid. Four percent is might sound low, but artifacts are can, because they can be played in everything. Four percent sounds lower than it might necessarily be.
0: Yeah, I would guess um, it, if you if you reduced it to two, one or two color decks, it's going to be a lot higher than four percent
1: yeah 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 precisely and it's got 9k raw which is good that's a very good number for that age so yeah i, I think this is a, a good angle for sure especially if you're getting them in for those european
0: prices it also has a couple other bonuses it has great art and it's called a lotus and we've already seen what happened with jeweled lotus
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so nick's lotus is carrying some of that lotus shine as well and it also is a gorgeous foil like i pulled out i have copies of this that i bought last spring I pulled them out to have a look and I was like, Yeah, that looks pretty good on the table. So these are going to continue to sell out. And if you look at TCG player, the biggest wall you have is six copies at twenty-three bucks. Everybody else has onesie, twosie, a couple threes, a couple fours. The fours are at thirty-five. There's only twenty-three total results in your mint. These are going to be gone. Give it give it six mm-hmm. months. So yeah. Nick's Lotus, seventeen between seventeen and twenty two, depending on where you're buying them, to get to forty plus. Easy breezy
1: sure 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 i'm on board um and then we have a listener pick this week that i have also looked for an opportunity to put on the cast
0: discord member k calls out helm of the host regular copies Ooh, regular um i have a y here but it's supposed to be a no uh six to 12 months but honestly it's it's almost an arbitrage play dominaria cards, super high edh rec stats Uh, You can pick them up in Europe at about six bucks and CK buy list covers them at seven 50 face-to-face buy list covers them. at I think 11 something Canadian and it didn't get a reprint. People thought it might get reprinted in commander legends, but it didn't catch a reprint there. So helm of the host, if it doesn't show up in the, the list that will, whatever list formulation will debut in the Cal time set boosters, then this can easily hit 15 in the next six months.
1: Yeah, I have on more than one occasion looked at Home of the Host and thought about including it, but the price point was never someplace that I felt like I wanted to bring it up. But um, you know, if you're buying them in Japan, then or Europe for six bucks versus TCG players low of ten,
0: yeah, I mean it's hard to go wrong there. This is one of the cards I wouldn't be hyper to pick up Japanese copies of, for instance on the basis that it is a pretty wordy card and you will almost certainly have to look it up on your phone if you do so.
1: Uh, yeah, (laughs) uh, definitely one of those cards that you run that risk.
0: I mean, this card is hard to parse in English. So (laughs) tabling it in foreign is just adding, adding complexity to your life that you don't really need. Um, but, I'm just checking here what they're available for in Japan. It looks like some of the sites I go to have these at 50 cents. But they are largely sold out, which would, I would imagine is vendors snapping off cheap inventory on the prowl. 50 cents?
1: Yep. 50 cents.
0: I mean, this is a useless card in Japan.
1: 50 cents for Japanese copies.
0: No, English and Japanese, depending on the site. Harry Yuya's price has got to be higher because they have a, a more a- attendant audience of vendors that will clean them out of anything good. You know, the the same mid tier vendors that are known to be exporting cards to Japan tend to do the same thing in reverse, right? Trade yeah. trade stuff to Harry, for- force the wheels to Harry Yuya into Helm of the Host and bring it back, kind of thing. Hmm. Let's see what Harry Yule's price is on the card right now. Helm of the Host, I'm going to guess it's something like 4 or $5. Yeah. Japanese copies at 4 bucks, 83 in stock. Uh, English copies at $10 because Harry Yule is savvy to the North American market. But even that price is, is reasonable given where this is headed. Yeah, that's uh, that's not bad at all. And then over on TCG Player, how deep is the inventory? I mean, this th- this was a cast pick and foil, like back back during Dominaria times for sure, and those foils got there. Um, non foils, we've never talked about. It was uh, reprinted in the Core Set Twenty Twenty promo packs, but that's like it
1: uh foils everything was reprinted in those foils
0: are currently ha, have been stalled actually out for a long time i think they were called at seven or eight and they've been sitting around 14 or 15 with 26 results on tcg for a while i don't know what it is about the card where the foils won't move given that dominaria didn't have a high foil drop rate or anything um but well, i thought it was
1: m20 that introduced the x in, improved yeah or the increase right yeah. and was dominaria before m20 yeah I was thinking that was after M20. I don't know. I've lost track of all time.
0: No, no, no. So Helm of the Host's lowest price is about 10 bucks on TCG player. Inventory is relatively deep. Um, but if you can snap these off at the, the European price point, you're covered by buy list, which is a nice place to be. And if they you yeah, know if they get announced somewhere along the way here then you'll you'll have time to to find your exit currently there's no product for the year where i think these are likely to appear other than the list so seems safe for a while
1: which is of questionable importance right now
0: yep well we know that we know that set boosters are going to be the majority of the booster boxes sold for CalTime. There's been plenty of chatter and vendor circles this week about how allocations for regular booster boxes are extremely low and set boosters are through the roof. So Wizards is clearly shifting their strategy even further in the direction that we predicted, which is that if set boosters sell even reasonably well, they will, and collector boosters continue to sell well, they will shift focus into those because they are higher margin items. There are 30 packs instead of 36 in set boosters but they actually charge more for them so it's less physical product that takes up less space but can be sold for more and of course if that works out wizards will pursue it with a vengeance and indeed they are so it sounds like regular booster boxes of Kaldheim are going to be very hard to come by so it's going to be very interesting to see if this ends up being a strong draft set that has a following because a, a set that's really uh, great to draft but didn't that hardly had any regular booster boxes will, you know, could be very hard to come by down the road. Um, Now, part of this depends on how the cultural shift amongst magic players evolves over the next few years, because we could also end up in a situation where, you know, if the COVID problem lasted even longer than anticipated, or there was, you know, it mutated and the vaccinations weren't effective and we all end up back inside And nobody can play Magic. A, Magic itself could be in in real trouble in that scenario. B, the process of drafting could collapse. Like, the the, the culture of drafting could collapse. Uh, And maybe that would soften demand for any drafting product, new, old, or otherwise. But so far, my play is still mostly (laughs) collector boosters, kind of one way or the other. I don't really want to intend to mess with either regular boosters or set boosters, because... Having opened all of the above, there's zero doubt in my mind that collector boosters tend to be where it's at. It's just about getting them as cheap as you can.
1: Yeah, I mean, that seems to be where, at the top of the line, and that seems to be where a lot of players want to put their money. Um, It is kind of funny to imagine we're just getting to a point where they don't print normal cards anymore. Everything is a premium product, and nothing isn't, uh, which wouldn't really work, I don't think. it's funny to imagine
0: well there's this there's still this comment that i made a while back when we when they increased the foil drop rates and then they introduced uh collector boosters where i said like it's interesting because they're invalidating the status of foils like a tremendous amount of pack foil inventory has been undermined by the a potential cultural shift away from pack foils as being special And we're currently still in a phase where people are pursuing older foils because in many cases there aren't new premium versions available. And in some cases the original foils are old enough that they're still going to be special forever no matter what. Um, But there is a, a middle era like say Ravnica forward or something where some pack foils may not have much of an audience.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about this before. I think um, they're just not as a as at a personal level, I'm not really interested in foil modern border cards. Old border cards are cool, um, but just like a normal pack foil at this point, just is just not that interesting. Even if there isn't a premium card, a premium version of the card. I'm still less interested in them than I was before, just knowing that these other versions exist,
0: could exist. And it's like, well, there's not a full art version of this yet, but maybe there will be. Well, and, we, and we were uh, talking about Helm of the Host foils that are currently stalled at 15 If it doesn't catch a reprint for three years, those will get there. they will be $25 or $30 foils, even though they're just pack foils. But if it catches a reprint in, say, a core set you know, or something, that, we, that has not yet been anticipated. You know, say, uh, for instance, in Time Spiral Remastered, if they put Helm of the Host in the old border foil slot, that's yeah. one thing. But if they put it back in a standard set, like say it's an Innistrad randomly, then the foils are going to crater to nothing. They're going to be $2 foils, not $15 foils. And I don't believe that the Dominaria first printing foils will necessarily be worth much because they just don't have enough there, there isn't enough nostalgia or cachet around that printing of the card if it's printed soon enough into the new era of high foil drop rates they'll show up in collector boosters like left right and center in the crap slot <laughs> like when you're cracking collector boosters those pack foils you just kind of throw them to the side cuz they're the least exciting thing you're opening yeah and you know the original foils are sometimes you know frequently
1: hold decent demand uh, because it's the original foil and your market shrinks, but there are people who are still kind of interested in the card. But I mean, that tends to, you know, we're, you th- the most extreme version might be like the original Ravnica Shocklands, right? There are like six foil breeding pools that you can buy right now, but the original breeding pool is still pretty cool. But that's because it's very old, uh, you know, and it's it's got a bit more of a status. But yeah, like Helm of the Host, if they old border foil, this, and then you've got, uh, you know, the Dominaria pack foil, but it's only two years old. It's like, well, that's not interesting. Like that's not old enough for me to really care about it. Um, I don't see those withholding standing up at all.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you might have an art premium or something, but, uh, let's put it this way. I I don't buy very many pack foils these days.
1: No, no, I, I would buy them begrudgingly for myself and I probably would not spend much on them Uh, just with like, well, I'll buy the cheapest copy now, and then eventually I'll get a cool copy when they print
0: it. So we did get the Pathways uh, for Kaldheim revealed today as part of the Kaldheim release uh, preview cycle. Uh, They are not snow-typed, so my idle thoughts on that are now settled. Uh, The art on them looks pretty fantastic, so that's cool. Um, I'm still confused as to why we're getting Ultimate Secret Layer 2 with the land cycles from the last two standard sets, that seems super awkward, but okay. I got no answer for you, man. <laughs> uh, so they we also got uh sagas confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I thought we knew they were coming. I think there had been a rumor that sagas were coming back. I feel like that was posted in the Discord like midsummerish or something from some offhand remark out in the ether sphere. But this is the first time we've actually seen one officially revealed. And, yeah. Uh, it's cool. It's like a red-white saga. I think th- this is the first time sagas have been multicolored. And uh, it's called Showdown of the Scalds. And the on the first turn, you exile the top four cards of your library. And until the end of your next turn, you can play those cards. And then for the next two turns... Uh, whenever you cast a spell this turn put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control so the kind of thing that works at the top end of a aggro curve maybe in standard or pioneer where you get to fight like everything in your deck costs one or zero and you get to fire off a whole bunch of extra spells to reload after a board wipe or push your advantage and close out the game
1: yeah i mean i don't think it's a particularly great card honestly um I mean, usually there are very early previews like this aren't expected to be that good. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that's not um, I really thought we had confirmation that they were going to exist, but maybe it was just an expectation of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whatever doesn't really matter. Other than that, that's the only call time spoilers we've got so far, but they're going to be coming pretty soon along the way here. Uh so expect so, us to be talking about those more.
0: Do, there was a lot of commentary on social about how Wizards put out like a playlist to listen to when you're dealing with Kaldheim, like exploring Kaldheim previews or whatever. And it was supposed to be uh, a bunch of metal metal bands or whatever. And the metal fans were decrying the list as extremely weak. Um I would imagine that there's well, a marketing they... intern at WOTC who was tasked... One day, somebody came to them and said on a Monday morning before they'd ha- even finished their first coffee, all right, go uh, figure out who the hottest metal bands are in the world that would take our call and then hook them up with a preview card for Kyle time <laughs> that you'll throw out via social media. And that's basically what's going on. There's a whole bunch of random metal bands that have no previous association with magic at all. The... You know, Kaldheim equals Metal so, You know, marketing ploy seems to be pretty weak to begin with. There was a Twitch stream by uh, Magic Personalities earlier this week that was very cringy. Um, I felt bad for the people involved, where they were all kind of expected to come to the table and keep making all of these very loose allegorical connections between Kaldheim and Metal topics like they'd say things like what's the, me- the 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 host said something like what's the most metal thing you've ever done in a magic game uh, <laughs> how do you even answer that question <laughs> and so yeah it, it was real rough and because it's, it's kind of like it's like microsoft throwing an event where they're like what's the most street thing you've ever done with microsoft software yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we brought Chance the Rapper on to talk about how Microsoft Beats helps him create his street tracks. And yeah. Steve Ballmer tries to fist bump him or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's stuff like you hear things like that and you're like, okay, so you're sure this game isn't marketed at 12 year olds? How do you mean, get your
0: hustle on with Microsoft Excel?
1: Yeah. yeah I'm something vaguely racist. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know.
1: This whole thing is I, I, I find the marketing to be weak. Un, yeah, un, I guess I understand it, but at the same time, it's like it, it's a strange I'm looking at this, I'm like, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know how you were going to lean into this and not have it feel weird. Um, also, I'm not surprised at all that the metal playlist is bad because I would presume that it's relatively PG, maybe PG thirteen. Yeah, and I can't claim that I'm that knowledgeable on, okay, on I can't claim Norwegian I know death anything metal. about. Yeah, about me- yeah, metal, just metal. Period. But I would imagine at least some of it are. I mean, I know anyone who follows Chris Pakula feels like they're an honorary metal fan just by uh, reading his tweets. But I know one of his absolute all-time favorite bands is named Couch Slot, so I'm <laughs> guessing their discography is not really like you know PG rated. Well, and here's the thing:
0: I, I think that this marketing approach is as weak sauce as you would expect it to be however i suspect that a lot of that came from them being very excited internally about some very strong art direction i'm expecting some excellent art in this set and some of the preview art they've shown us of some of the characters is pretty solid and i'm very curious to see what some of the better artists on on the roster come up with here well, listen, if they
1: do the uh, collector's boosters or the showcase, essentially, and it's the... cartoon metal tr- uh Well, I would say the same treatment as we saw in that secret layer, I'm here for it. Like, that was a very cool secret layer. I loved how stylized it was. Um, and if they really leaned into that and kind of went all out, I-, I approve of that. I think that's cool. Um, and I would hope that they would... L- do similar treatments that are that remarkable uh, down the
0: road. Well, we I saw, well, we, really we saw what the art from the Collector Booster Pack was last week that we talked about briefly. Which is <laughs> the hammer, right? Yeah, and I suspect that's where we're headed.
1: Yeah, me too, which is disappointing because it feels like there's more they could do with it.
0: Well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it depends on how many artists were involved. If, if it's all that exact style from that exact artist, that's one thing. But it could be a handful of artists that were employed for the purposes of working out the showcase treatments um uh, for instance the same way we saw for the ikoria creatures where some of them were much more interesting than others uh, Yeah, sprite it, dragon i'm looking at you with that terrible godzilla art
1: it does seem likely that uh the secret layer was probably that style dialed to 11 yeah and that this will not be
0: it'll be this this one will be a in the in the realm but more of a, a sidestep that's more specific to the Nordic names they're going for. Yeah. Anyway, call uh, looking interesting. Uh, collector boosters are apparently going to be less populous uh, than they were for Zendikar Rising. It sounds like allocations are going to be hard to come by, by comparison. Um, so we're looking to lock those up for the pro traders as soon as we can, talking to all of our usual vendor partners. If you're not a pro trader, you might want to consider becoming one to get your hands on some of this at a, a strong price. I know MVP Sports and Games, one of the biggest sellers on eBay, um, in their invite-only site, they had boxes just under... I think it was just under 200 um, which is a pretty strong price. I think they were only allowing one per account for the most part, unless you buy a lot from them, in which case your allotment would be higher. And I suspect that that, that will be about the best you'll see during the pre-order cycle, whether from us or from them, somewhere in that $200 a box range. Um, And uh, yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how it develops, whether scarcity is a factor again so soon on the heels of the collector boosters from Commander Legends being disappointingly unavailable. Yeah, Uh, time will tell on that. Curious to see how that plays out. I mean, I'll say this much. Commander Legends is a much deeper set, just inherently, the 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 number of top 100 edh staples in commander legends is unparalleled so it being scarce is especially effective in terms of driving up singles prices on the premium copies um yes. this will be less the case in Keldheim, where i presume they're back to 15 mythics we're pretty sure five of those are flip gods um so a lot of that depends on how good those gods are god slash equipment is the rumor So if it's Thor and Thor's hammer and Odin and Odin's staff and whoever else. And then you can expect five of the mythics will probably be like relevant monsters like Jormungandr or whatever, uh, the world (laughs) snake. And there was some really nice art out there that looked like it was like Yggdrasil, the world tree, if you know, uh, watch American Gods or, you know, uh, Nordic mythology um it looks like it might be a five color related artifact or a five color land of some sort i want to say the name is familiar but i don't know the car don't know the don't know the legend at all but the name is familiar yeah it's been it's the kind of thing that's been borrowed and repurposed a million times in western culture yeah. um anyway that art the art for that looks amazing uh whatever that card ends up being i hope it's a good one because there's, there's nothing worse than amazing art put on a terrible card like what, what was the mocks that was so hyped up for modern horizons uh i can't i don't even remember it's falling now. right out of my head but I, I know that the the artist in question was commissioned to do a like a painting time-lapse series for it and they made a big deal of revealing it on stream and people spent like 30 minutes watching the the build-up um like Basically, we're not
1: talking about Mox Amber. No, no,
0: no. That's the good one. Mox Tantalite. Tantalite. Yes, Tantalite. So Mox Tantalite has this like 30 minute stream where people are watching a time lapse and the artist talking about their process. And then they finally reveal this this card, Mox Tantalite, a mythic from Modern Horizons by R- Ryan Pancoast, I believe. Um, yeah. Suspend three. Add one mana of any color. And people are like, wait, it's a mox I can't use for three turns? So <laughs> guess that hasn't been played anywhere since yeah given the fact that we forgot what it's called incredible art wasted yeah uh yeah, so yeah i would i would hope that will not be the case here in Caltime. time um the other topic for the week here is
1: uh well we'll get it we'll, yeah, we'll get into call time more in the coming week next week i'm sure we'll have some some lots to talk to choose, about Yeah. So is. um But something that I saw pop up on Twitter, and I intentionally avoided asking you about it because I was wanted to save it on the off chance that we actually don't line up on this, Um, but there was a tweet floating around about Magic players. Uh, Oh, actually, you know what? If I can find this lousy tweet, I I have one of my other tweets got favorited a bunch, so I have to find the one I want. Would have been smart to pull this up ahead of time. Okay, uh, somebody made the point that said wizards should pay creators for their pre- for their preview cards. Wizards of the Coast should pay the creators they ask to advertise their products during preview season. The idea that being given a card to preview is a privilege and payment in and of itself is exploitative and backwards. And this is from uh, at Spice Eight Rack, um, and I. Was uh, immediately on board with that. I also agree that wizards should not, should be paying people for these preview cards. Like, I'm wizards. I'm going to let you preview this card. I want you to make content. I'm going to
0: pay you. That is how it should work. What is, what do you think? Unfortunately, in the marketing slash agency world, this tends to be a function of your audience size the bigger your audience is the more well-established a personality you are the more they feel like they need you and so the more they are likely willing to do now i don't know what say prof who has one of the biggest uh if not the biggest magic related youtube channels i don't know what his negotiations look like with wizards but i can tell you that without having any details about it and knowing that Josh sometimes listens to this show <laughs> i will and he can correct me after the fact if i'm wrong i would guess command zone gets a pretty healthy dose of money from wizards because the way their whole thing is set up is very much falls in line with promoting the things wizards wants to promote at the time that they want to promote them um, and they still do a really incre- a great job of creating very high quality content but it is clearly sponsored content not in any kind of duplicitous way. It's, it's openly uh, declared as such. But if you have an audience of that size, you can you can win the negotiation and get your fair compensation. When you are a Twitch streamer who has a few thousand followers and Wizards is interested in trying you out... And they shotgun it all over the place. It's not really a question of should they pay. Obviously they see value in doing it. So there should be a price tag attached to it. It's a question of do you have the pull to make sure that they pay. Now if I was their agency. And it's it's entirely possible they don't use one in this scenario. I get the impression that Watsi handles a lot of this directly. Um, But we're a company to be asking my opinion as their agency of record to help them plan something like this out, I would at minimum request a nominal fee for people that were involved. Even if it was 250 or $500 or something, that is a trivial amount of money in the grand scheme of your marketing for a product that's going to sell 50, $80 million worth of stuff.
1: I, uh, I Well, okay. So, I mean, two hundred dollars, I you know is is trivial. I want to I want to stress here that I am I am still holding the point that wizards should pay content creators to do their previews. To to what you were saying, two hundred dollars paid to a content creator to do a preview card doesn't sound like a lot of money compared against their budget. When you talk think about how many preview cards they let out the door, that number gets up there, right? Would probably you know, they preview if they give you two hundred if it wasn't two hundred dollars per card, but two hundred dollars for a preview. So if they give like uh what is it, limited resources, gets a cycle of uncommons, they might they only still only get two hundred dollars. It's just five cards instead of one. I mean, you'd still be at like multiple thousands of dollars, which now that I say every set, but which now that I say that out loud is still like nothing, right? Like five grand, if you paid five grand each set in marketing to the content creators and 200 bucks a person, that's actually a lot of money for some of these producers. I think you have someone people again, like Tulare Academy, like um, Josh with the command zone, like your, your true top tier content producers, like Two hundred bucks isn't going to be that big of a deal for for this because it's their job. So like they are depending on on those types of funds. But when you get further down the list, uh, to some of these other individuals who are getting preview cards, that they might be getting paid between twenty and fifty dollars an article, occasionally depending on where they're writing, who they're writing for. Two hundred bucks for a preview from Wizards would be
0: uh, a pretty significant chunk of change. They would really be happy with that. The, way, the if i was trying to build this system fairly so that it, it could pass public criticism on the basis of arguing to the client that at minimum you were building goodwill on the balance sheet as a result then like for instance to say to if if they if i got pushback from a client saying that they didn't want to they didn't want to pay because they thought they could get away with doing it for free i my counter would be yes you can totally get away with paying it for free there will always be someone desperate enough to just take the clout as payment but some of the people that you're going to want to handle it are going to be used to getting paid so you're going to have to pay mm-hmm. them anyway and the big, and the bigger the gap between them and the person you you take you know you d- dump a card on for zero is going to lead to public criticism that will not be worth what you're saving so Mm -hmm. the way i would handle it would be to say okay this is this is going to be our minimum amount of reach that we will work with a thousand users five thousand users ten thousand views whatever and per ten thousand views we're going to assign this much budget so that we're going to give out a whole bunch of cards, but we're going to pay on the basis of your reach. And that's a completely reasonable way to handle it because you might think equal pay for equal work, but the thing is, it's you're not really paying for the work, you're paying for the result. Um, it is a marketing outreach program. So should they pay? Yes. Will they pay? No, as long as they can get away with it because Hasbro slash Watsi is notoriously cheap with this stuff. And it really comes down to whether somebody's boss gives them budget to cover this.
1: Well, yeah. And it's, yeah, there's no question that they could choose, they could continue to just give, pay absolutely nobody for preview cards. And, that that would they would get away with it in the sense that there would always be a line of people willing to do it i mean wizards could say i'll tell you what submit an application along with your 50 dollar fee to our website and we will consider whether or not we'd let you preview a card and they would have more applications than they'd know what to do with Um, but that doesn't mean that you that they should be doing first of all like like ethically they absolutely shouldn't be doing that. And from a PR perspective, like that would look really bad. So they still shouldn't really do that. Um, I like the idea. I think of just off the top of my head, sort of putting tears in the place and saying, okay, our top tier uh, we negotiate at an individual level. You're, yeah. uh, you know, th- th- those people are big enough. They are the, you know, 200,000 views a month or whatever like we, we'll talk to them individually but like t- then we have like tier two tier three and tier four tier two people like maybe that's brain maybe that's brainstone brewery or maybe they're like tier three and like if you're in this if we deem you this tier of content creator we will pay you $150 per preview card if you know then we have like our tier four like you're a very new person you've got 2,000 Twitter followers your Twitch stream averages like 15 people um, but you know we're really trying to help grow content creation we'll give you fifty bucks to do your preview card. It's not as much, but like we're making it very clear, like you're in this tier right now, and the amount you get paid. You know, if, as you grow your brand, you can move up, and we will pay you more to do these. As you as you give us more reach. um But there, there absolutely should be something. And really, I think that uh, it's it, I. You know what I liken it to is the idea of um, paying people an exposure. Right. Like this is a huge joke a thing in the art world. Oh yeah. Where people are like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm not gonna pay you for your artwork, but I'm gonna put it on all my product. Think about all the exposure you're gonna get. And you know, this has just essentially been a running joke. Um A a joke that's not funny probably to a lot of artists, but like there's Twitter accounts and Tumblr accounts like, you know, oh, do the entire graphic design for my board game and you'll get paid an exposure. Right. A project that would be worth tens of thousands of dollars normally. So but like this is the same idea is Wizards is saying we're not going to give you any money, but think about all the exposure you're going to get when people go to your website to look at this card that you previewed after you put somewhere between four and 20 hours of work into producing content for this card, which by the way, this isn't like an even handed review where, and this kind you know, this is, this is topical because, you know, Cyberpunk just came out. They're not saying, okay, we're giving you this product uh, for free and we're not paying you to review it. Um, but we're letting you have access to it early for you to review it and discuss it and share it with your audience, uh, like you would get with a game, because, like, you know, CD Projekt Red isn't paying people to review uh, Cyberpunk. But the people reviewing Cyberpunk are free to talk about what they want. The people doing card previews are just straight up marketing, right? Like, I like they cannot send LSV a card and then have LSV write an article and be like, yeah, this card sucks. I get what they're trying to do, but it's going to be a piece of shit. No one's going to play this in standard. Like, you, they have to sing the praises of every card they get. So, it like, it's not not really earnest. It's not a, you know, so it's just it just feels like Wizards is saying, I will pay you people an exposure, which is just the scummiest thing to do.
0: And the thing is that it's not like, being decidedly neutral about the card is even enough. Wizards actually expects even their top tier content partners to toe the line kind of across the board. In fact, they pulled, as we talked about last week and and alluded to maybe a month ago when it happened, two months ago, can't remember how long it's been, uh, they pulled Kenobi and uh, Prof's preview cards for, I don't know if it was Zendik or Rising, um, because they had been harping on about enemy lands. So... They, act, they, they You can be punished even if you're talking about the brand more broadly outside the context of the review. And that only goes to underline that they are, in fact, hiring you. They're expecting you to be a mouthpiece and your words are not your own. And that very much lends itself to the suggestion that they should pay you now i i was a reviewer for local magazines and the university newspaper here in toronto 20 years ago and i went i took advantage of that to the max i had free video games free cds free movie tickets free concerts for years and parlayed that into starting a ski and snowboard magazine where i took all of what i had learned about working uh pr reps for product and to the next level and we started a Ski and snowboard thing that went all over North America, stayed in hotels for free, got free flights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I've definitely been down that path and you can (laughs) make it work for you so that you're not being paid an exposure, but an experience and product, um, and then generate content out of that, that you can sell and market and make ad revenue on and leverage for additional and further partnerships. But it's not even clear that these people have those opportunities because in the context of having a preview card, a bunch of things happens that is satellite to that experience. One of the things that happens is it gets spoiled early and you're screwed because nobody cares. They've already seen the card. The other thing that happens is that as soon as you reveal it on your site or social stream, it gets echoed everywhere else and the average person doesn't even get it from the primary source.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how many previews I have seen that were on the original website. Like it's gotta be
0: very low. There's also the fact that I don't take note of who revealed what card because it, it's such a broad swath of content creators. It doesn't matter because there's no actual Mm -hmm. connection between the creator and the card that has any kind of lasting impact or value to be tracking. So, for instance, there are instances in in marketing where I could imagine uh, that an artist might or content creator could make justify doing something for free for a major corporation in exchange for what would be real exposure. For instance, if Coke did an international campaign with a major artist, street artist or something, and that campaign was Coke by name of that artist and that was plastered all over the world, that would be worth it because that artist is getting... Basically, Coke is paying to promote the artist, and you're getting a $100 million worth of promotion from Coke. They would still pay you because they're Coke, but the total value of that experience would be what they were paying you plus the exposure, and that exposure would be real. (laughs) When you're a Twitch streamer that's getting a card that gets you, like, one day's worth of traffic, and there's literally no connection between that traffic and what you're doing next. So for instance, Mm -hmm. like if somebody was debuting a card on Twitch and they were a lower mid-tier magic streamer that I was vaguely aware of, I'm not going to sit there and watch a four-hour stream just because they revealed a card and I'm not going to watch the stream to get to the card either. I'm just going to check out, wait for somebody in the Discord to post the card and roll on with my day. Even if
1: you give the most credit here and say, okay, if I if, if I give this card to so-and-so who gets 20 people a stream, uh, they will, you know, and, you, and somebody actually sits down and watches the four-minute video they put together on their Twitch channel for that preview and doesn't just pick it up off Mythic Spoiler. How many people have to watch that preview stream decide in that four minutes they like the twitch streamer enough to start watching them despite keep in mind the like insane amount of people that are already streaming magic that you're competing with like you have to be so good that they're more interested in you than the other people they're watching and more consistent and and
0: more consistent than good really you have to devote a huge slice of your life to streaming
1: yeah and so that one person who came to your twitch stream saw the preview there, decided they liked you enough that they wanted to start watching you. And then, you know, can, subs and, and you make $2.50 a month or whatever off of this person. Uh, like, think about those numbers just don't work. <laughs> like you, you would have to have so many people that, see, that fall in love with your content and come watch you. To make that kind of, you know, exposure worth it. And I mean, it's pretty clear that like that's not going to be the case.
0: I I would liken it to, you know, you're running a corner store and Coke wants to do a promotion there where if people show up, they can get a free Coke and it only happens on one particular Sunday in March. You're going to get a flurry of foot traffic of people clogging up your store, not buying anything and taking a free Coke. And the next day, those people are not coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so, so sh- should they just...
0: pay content creators yes i hope i hope that they develop a program that is more reasonable in that regard but given how they've handled their their pro players and the competitive scene i will not be holding my breath me neither and i frankly at this point
1: in time i think that uh if they're not paying you you should not take your preview cards it's not going to get you anything like you 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 you're you're either too small that it's not gonna actually do anything for you or you're big enough that it doesn't matter I just I don't see who they who those preview cards are meaningful to uh, really and I would like to see even the bigger title the bigger channels decline those previews until wizards agrees to pay every person that gets a preview card um, and you know w- w- this topic came up I guess we didn't the one thing we didn't explicitly talk about was, this tweet was going around and Saffron Olive chimed in and said, well, if Wizards has to pay every content creator they give a preview to, then what's going to, are you just going to end up in a situation where you have fewer content creators getting preview cards? And, and LSV said that he, he thinks that that's true, but um, that goes back to the idea of like the cost to Wizards bottom line to pay these people to do these previews is, is honestly very small compared to their total marketing budget. Like it doesn't have to stop it. And it's not like we're talking about numbers so large here that it becomes an impediment to wizards. Like they can handle it. And it generates so much stronger of a community and supports actually supports the people you're trying to support than not. Um, and frankly, even if it does lead to a decrease in people getting preview cards, like to the person getting 12 preview, 12 streamers, every time they turn on Twitch, uh, who's still going to have 12 streams, viewers every time they stream on twitch after their preview like it doesn't matter that they didn't get a preview card wizards actually hasn't done anything to help them
0: yeah i mean that that is the most key point is that the the people that are already far enough along that they quote-unquote deserve a preview card don't actually need the extra cloud and the people that aren't aren't going to get enough of a boost from a card for it to matter anyway yeah, You know, Brainstorm so, Brewery took years to get their first preview card, and really that only happened because Corbin was in pretty tight with Watsy folks. And they have it, they don't have it, it doesn't matter. BSB would be exactly the same position. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't...
1: I, the more I think about preview cards, the more it seems like it doesn't matter to almost anyone. Like, in, it, it doesn't have an impact on the content production or livelihood of virtually anybody. Yeah.
0: I'm not even sure that it's any better than wizards just dropping them through their own social channels, to be honest, because you can make the argument that the channels that are bigger than them, command zone and prof make a lot of sense. And I think it, and LSV and whatever, I think it would be fine to distribute most previews through those top five or 10 channels. That's probably what I would recommend be done on the basis that you want to maximize reach anyway. So, I mean, it's, and I don't think this is the way that I would be trying to nurture the lower tier of content creators, I would be looking at a a different kind of program. Like the the way, the kind of ambassador program that you want those people to be running should be tied into that whole WPN management, promotion, tracking, and whatever system that I've harped on about a bunch of times. And Mm -hmm. if they were tied into that and they had promo codes that tied into Arena and that system... Now you're in a better position.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, the trying to increase the profile of your content creators. Like, I like that idea, and I think that they've had other strategies where they they have like a, a featured Twitch streamer every day, and they have their like I don't even know some sort of online versus series or whatever, where they you know have cast an ever expanding net and who they invite to participate like those are better ways to go about it but um you know uh, taking advantage of people to do free marketing for you as a multi-billion dollar company is not the way to do it
0: all righty this uh should be our our week it's capped off uh, where can people find you online travis
1: I am on Twitter, uh, as always, at
0: wizardbumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N, and yourself. Thank you guys can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com, as well as my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $7.99 a month, or $79.99 per year, You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG Finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing flesh and blood.
1: (laughs) Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering, single-sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com. Save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Good time to go Christmas shopping. See what's out there. Um, If you're in the Discord, you can ping me for board game recommendations. Happy to chat about that. Uh, You don't need my input on which Magic card you should play with. but Board games I can talk about. Other than that, uh, our show should be available normal time next week the two days before christmas unless everything goes haywire yeah
0: i don't know if it'll be next week or the week after but we're going to do our year in review we'll reveal all of our specs uh for the year in terms of best and worst picks what's got there what hasn't and uh talk about where things are likely headed for 2021 and for now thank you travis and we'll see all of you next week on another episode of mtg fast finance <laughs>